Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones. It's Wednesday, and you are watching AM to DM. My baby is back from California, mm. and so is Selena, apparently. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter tweeted this. Netflix has handed out a straight-to-series order for Selena, the series, which it describes as a coming-of-age story. The family of the late Tejano music legend, Know Her, is on board to produce. And not everyone is thrilled about that. Christian, for example, had this to say, unpopular opinion. Media services like Netflix need to stop making Selena Quintanilla shows, movies, documentaries, etc. like we all know what happened already. What else can you possibly add that's new? Let her rest in peace. Okay, so here's the thing about Selena. Growing up in Texas, I was saying this during the break, and it, it's real. My first experiences with racism was actually hearing white Texans say Mexicans. Like, that, that was the racial slur that I heard more often. When Selena died when I was growing up, even racist Texans were freaking out. Like, she was, like, <laughs> universally loved. Everyone loved, everyone loved Selena. Yes, I even made a pilgrimage to the memorial in Corpus Christi. I went and saw, like, the statue on the boardwalk. Like, it's a, it's a huge thing. The movie, we, like, grew up. Certainly, it was a turning point in Jennifer Lopez's career. Mm -hmm. Yolanda, you were not forgiven. You are not forgiven and will never be forgiven. I'm mad at the actor who played Yolanda. So you're excited for, so, for a new series. It's a lot. Now, have you seen it? Because I'm excited about the series. I'm like in. Because that's Christian's tweet, right? <sighs> like, leave, leave Selena alone. For me, I'm like, listen, these biopics are really how we remember people that the culture loved sure. and cared about. With her family on board, to me, that's a really good sign. And even bad biopic, like, here's the thing. It's still a way of keeping the name out there, and they can get it right the next time. So I personally, I'm I'm in big favor of this kind of stuff. That said, <laughs> I've never seen the original J-Lo Selena movie, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Listen, people, you, you miss things sometimes. Go back you to miss, California. You, all right, well, listen, <laughs> let's take it to the timeline. What's a biopic you'd love to see made, and what's a biopic you hope never gets made? I've prayed about this. Yes, Ida B. Wells, mm. no adult Michael Jackson. Oh, oh, good Lord. Yep, okay, yeah, right. all right, I agree with those. Well, listen, here's a tweet from Brooklyn public defender Scott Heshinger. This is what love looks like. Jasmine Headley reunited with her mom and her son. Family photos taken by the family shared with her permission. Without bystander, bystander videos, she'd still be on Rikers, still be charged with child endangerment, and still be ordered to stay away from her son. So good to see her reunited with her child. Uh, Scott added, Jasmine Headley is a hero, stoic, brave, after all she's been through to stand confidently in front of this many cameras and speak humbly to the world, incredible. Her short, powerful statement is here, ends with, I just need to see my boy. I just need to see my boy. Well, Errol Lewis, the host of New York One's Inside City Hall, joins us again with the latest on her story. Errol, hello. Hi, how are you? We're doing good. We're doing well. Thank you so much for coming back on. What do we know about Jasmine's situation as of this morning? Uh, as of um, last night, things may change uh, overnight, but uh, she, was, she was released, as you showed. Um, her attorney from Brooklyn Defender Services, Lisa Schreibersdorf, uh, says that she is still uh, facing some kind of a procedure in Mercer County, New Jersey, um, and she was expected to show up this morning. So um, being released on your own recognizance means that as of last night, she didn't have to post any bail, she didn't have any restrictions or requirements, but she does have this other issue uh, pending in New Jersey. She also had the order of protection vacated so that she could in fact be reunited with her son. That was one of 
of the, the questions that was lingering out there as well. Apparently, it's routine in these kind of cases for the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office to, to uh, request an order of protection, which would have kept her from seeing her uh, 17-month-old son. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw someone note something you said yesterday, I believe, on your show, where you were like, listen, this, this, this administrative building where she went to, where this incident went down, was in some ways, it's just a trap for things to go wrong. So I wanted if you could reiterate that point and tell sure. us if at this point we know anything more about how this all, this mess uh, started. Well, yeah, I mean, look, the, it, it, it strikes one as a trap because you uh, are entitled to these services and it's the only place that you can go is to the city. And they say, go down to the center. You go down to the center, you're expected to, you, you have to take off time from work. That, that's a consideration. Childcare consideration, she brought her son with her because she had nobody else to take care of him. And then what uh, turns into a four hour ordeal, waiting and waiting and waiting, going to another uh, place within the building and then coming back. Uh, and then there's no place to sit. Uh, and then you, you've got guards who, you know, go on some kind of a power trip. And if you step wrong or annoy people because they're being so slow and so disrespectful and so inefficient, they call the cops and somebody shows up with a gun and a taser and they haul you off to jail. It's a complete nightmare. And um, somebody needs to fix this. The mayor has been relatively silent. He has not come out and made any statements other than on Twitter a couple of times. Um, somebody, somebody's head needs to roll here. I mean, somebody's got to be uh, accountable for what has been a nightmarish experience that's now been shared with the entire world. It's not about one incident. It is literally about this space and place as well. I wanted to ask you, do we know if there's been any repercussions for the officer in the video? Uh, can we expect any statement from the NYPD? There, the, the NYPD says that they, they have launched an investigation. Uh, and keep in mind, there are the cops that you see in the video, but then there's also private security. I personally have a side question about why we're employing private security for a public uh, space. But um, the, apparently it's a company that has been brought up on charges before, that apparently the staff is either untrained, disrespectful, perhaps even unsafe. Um, and they played a role in all of this as well. So um, some people in the private uh, company, I think, have been suspended uh, for now. The cops are under investigation. That's never a good thing when the, the, the head of the police department singles you out and says you're being looked at. Um, HRA, the government agency where all of this took place, that commissioner is uh, also looking into it. So sooner or later, we're going to get some answers. My guess, unfortunately, though, is that the city administration will probably try and slow walk this, try and get into the holiday season expect all of us to go away and stop paying attention and then uh, make changes or not. But we're, we're going to stay on top of the story. Absolutely. They can slow walk all they want. They're going to stomp. I mean, even, you know, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez shared your clip yesterday on her timeline. Thank you for joining us, Earl. We are going to continue to follow it. Thank you. All right, well, listen, a tweet from Missouri State University student Sydney <laughs> that recently kind of took over the timeline My professor threw a party instead of having a final, and no one showed up. And now that video, she kind of pans up. You see an empty classroom with lots of Christmas decorations, Mm -hmm. and then the poor professor sitting at his desk just looking so, so sad. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to call shade. Oh, all right. 
because we know this. We see these things like we. This is a viral like uh, topic mm. that we see a lot on the timeline, and I'm always like, mm, okay, y'all. Well, as it turns out, I was right. BuzzFeed <laughs> News editor Tanya Chen tweets: College students made a professor go viral by claiming no one showed up to his holiday party, but it was all fake for an assignment. And that's the part I love for an assignment. Tanya joins us now. Good morning, Tanya. Good morning, Saeed, you are absolutely right. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> you got it, you nailed it. Tanya, I wanted to start with the assignment aspect of it. That's what I absolutely love. How does making your professor look like the loneliest person on the planet play into a college assignment? Well, um, so what happened was um, this professor is a professor of an intro to media course, and he wanted to basically prove to his students that um, going viral was incredibly difficult, especially if you in, if you um, plan for it and you know tried tried for it. Um, and he actually he was proven wrong <laughs> by a group of these students. Um, but he told me that it was actually designed to fail to show his class just how difficult it is. And a group of his students um, proved to him that I mean they could do it and exceeded the assignment. I love it. We keep telling y'all not to fuck with the youth because you know, <laughs> they're ready. I love this because you are a social news reporter. You cover stories like this all the time. So it's like every, it's like a perfect storm. Um, from your perspective, what was interesting in terms of talking to the students in terms of going viral? Yeah, so they're, they grew up with social media and so they're very um, literate with how to use it and, um, it's very integrated in there every day, um, but they've never um, intentionally faked something with the sole intention to go viral. And so um, the student I spoke to said she learned that it was really easy to manipulate people, which I found to be fascinating, a little bit terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they they've um, they tapped into uh, a common narrative like this. No one. Uh, showed up to a party kind of genre of viral stories that we've been seeing and tapped into people's emotions, mostly. Yeah. And now I want to ask you, again, like, like Said was saying, as a social media reporter, how do you sniff a story like this out? Did this one in particular come across your timeline? Did you say, hang on a second, I want to get the whole story here? Yeah, so um, what happened was I saw the initial viral video and tweet, and I was like, oh, it's a bit sad. Um, I was kind of like weirded out. And, um, I was thinking that it was a little bit weird that the professor threw a Christmas party in lieu of a final. Um, but anyway, I was just like looking at it and, um, in the most recent comments, someone, people were saying it was uh, fake and it was alluding to the professor's personal Twitter handle. He actually had to come clean because the school, Missouri state believed it. (laughs) And, um, tweeted out that they support the uh, professor who they thought was, you know, hurt and they felt bad for. And so um, the professor was like, this has gone too far (laughs) and I need to um, make it clear that this was not a real uh, incident. And then I, that I actually instructed kids to do this and he was a willing participant. And so that's his tweet is what, you know, made me aware that it was, most likely uh, a fake. And when I spoke to him, he confirmed that. 
Incredible. The stunt queen got stunted on. I love it. Uh, Tanya Chen, as always, thank you for joining me and us this morning. <laughs> I think you're Don't worry, you were, right. you were right. You were right. You were right. But no, seriously, I love that. That's story. really funny. Those students did get an A. Shout out to but them. But people, the professor said he got over 100 emails. People being like, hey man, you okay? You want to come over for dinner, buddy? It was a good It was a good assignment, man. It worked. Good on you, <laughs> professor. Well, listen, stick around. We have a great show for you today. We'll be talking with Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy plus Nico Tortorella from Younger is here. So excited to sit down with them. But up next, it's Fire Tweets. Fire! Fire! Hello. Hello. Did you miss Fire Tweets? I missed Fire Tweets. I missed you. I missed the show. I missed them. Good answer. All right. This first tweet comes from Fari. Ending the year without a flat stomach. Y'all won. Woo! Woo! <laughs> a mood. There are so many applications for y'all won, and I think if you've been following me in the last day or so, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, let's not talk about that. <laughs> Anthony tweeted, just missed a call, calls back. No answer. What? Did you die in three seconds? What the deal? I'm, man, I feel that 100%. What the deal? Especially with those, those like troll calls where they've just been calling your number because they have the first three digits. Uh-huh. Whenever you pick up, that's what happens. No answer. No, for me, it's like, it's not even that. It's like, oh, I saw that you called. You just called me. I didn't pick it up. I call you back and then you're not there. What's up with that? Better be in an emergency, you calling me. Okay. <laughs> I think this is Mo. I think I'm going to call this Mo. Mo tweeted. <laughs> When I first started my job, this older black woman I worked with said, look, come in, get your check, mind your business, and leave. Last Monday, she put in two months' notice of her retirement, then put in two months' worth of leave and said, this is the last day they'll see me. Mm. I I'm sorry, I'm that applauding is, that. That is a brav- also, bravo. Congrats Bravo. on your retirement in two months. Yeah, nice, nice job. Yeah. Nice no job. job. I love well that. Well done. Well done. <laughs> I do. I just love that story. I love it because uh, I once worked at Buca de Beppo, and that's exactly how I did it. All right, now let me tell you, it wasn't two months, it was two weeks, but I saved up two weeks vacation. I said, this is my two weeks notice, and I said, and this is my two weeks vacation, and I walked out the door. I love it. Apron over the shoulder. It tracks. <laughs> Mama Sita, you tweeted, when medication says, do not operate heavy machinery. They're probably referring to cars, but my mind always goes to forklift. Anyone else? See, it, that's so, it's, I think of like the, the tractor. Yeah. The yellow. That's, abs- I, I feel the exact same way. I don't know why, but the car is not what comes to my mind. Even though point. it is very much. That's literally, I think, the machinery they expect <laughs> us to be possibly operating. Um, <laughs> this next tweet comes from Big Weld. Vix is just spicy Vaseline. <laughs> Verification at this point that Vix works. Yes. Or is it just like multicultural Robitessa? No, I'm sorry. We have, we have, I'm the science. I'm the fact. Does it actually work? Vix totally works. Makes me feel better. All right, you ready for Tweet of the Day? Okay, here we go. Tweet of the Day comes from Jasmine. It makes more sense to let the poor people board the plane first. Why do you seat first class first? Then I have to scooch past and knock over their tuna tartare to get to the poor section in the back of the plane because you board my section last. 
Mm-mm. And let me tell you, that's in all caps for reasons. I totally agree with that tweet. I was just on a plane recently. I was pa- It's a New York to L.A. in the middle of the day. I was passing famous people I knew with my butt in my bag just jostling them. I felt very bad about it. I have to disagree, Jasmine. I love to sit in first class. I pick up my tuna tartare, and I love to just watch white people walk by. A mad. Bougie bitch. No me a to A bougie see. bitch. No me. Okay. <laughs> Later this morning, Isaac is going to sit down with Nico Tortorella. I am so excited. I'm really Stand. All right, but up next, we talk to Senator Chris Murphy. We are grilling him. We are grilling him on 2020 and talking about the big Senate debate on Saudi Arabia and Yemen. Huge. We got questions. Questions. Get ready. Welcome back. The U.S. relationship with Saudi Arabia has deep roots going back 70 years. But the Senate is poised to vote on a resolution to remove support for the Saudi war in Yemen. One of the co-sponsors of that resolution, Senator Chris Murphy, joins us now. Welcome, Senator. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us this morning. Okay, Senator, let's start here. Uh, Why was Jamal Khashoggi's murder the catalyst for this resolution instead of the blockade in Qatar or the killing of civilians in Yemen or frankly anything else in the long history of our relationship with Saudi Arabia? Well, I actually don't think it was the catalyst for this resolution. Frankly, uh, Bernie Sanders, myself, and Mike Lee uh, were going to introduce this resolution regardless. We actually introduced a version of it uh, back in the spring. Uh, In the spring, we unfortunately came up about nine or ten votes short to pull the United States out of the war in Yemen. And since then, uh, the casualties, the civilian casualties inside Yemen have gotten even worse. Uh, A school bus was hit during that period of time on purpose. Uh, Last month was actually the worst month uh, over the course of the war's history for uh, casualties on the ground. Uh, And so, yes, it may be that we have picked up some Republican support uh, for this resolution because of the uh, murder of Jamal Khashoggi, but our impetus to bring this resolution before uh, the body was really about the fact that, uh, well, we certainly abhor the fact that the Saudis killed this American resident in a consulate in Turkey. Uh, There have been 85,000 children children that have died of starvation and disease inside Yemen since the beginning of this war. 10,000 civilians have been killed uh, as part of the bombing campaign, and that needs to end. Okay, and I understand that for you, Senator, but it does seem like many of your colleagues, uh, for them, Khashoggi's death was a motivation for them to support the resolution. Is that fair to say? I, I, I think it's fair to say, but I think this um, this has been overplayed. Um, remember, this resolution uh, got about 45 votes before the school bus was hit, before uh, the casualty numbers started to increase. So I think even without Khashoggi's murder, we might have 51 votes for this resolution today. So I think that that has been, frankly, a little bit overhyped. But I can make the connection between the two. And I actually have argued uh, to many of my Republican friends who want the Senate to respond to the Khashoggi murder, that this is actually the way to do it. Um, and, and here's my argument. My argument is that, um, you know, the thing that that bothered us um, the most after the murder itself was the fact that the Saudis lied to us about what happened to Khashoggi. They knew that they killed him and dismembered his body, and they told us for two weeks that he left the consulate unharmed. Well, it's just like they've been lying to us about Yemen. They've been telling us for years, well, we're not intentionally hitting civilians and civilian targets, even though the evidence told us otherwise. Many of my colleagues, I think, who would believe 
deceived the Saudis about what they were trying to hit and what they weren't trying to hit inside Yemen, um, now don't believe them because they watched them lie to our face for two weeks about what happened to Jamal Khashoggi. So I do think that a lot of people have changed their mind about whether we should be in business with the Saudis in Yemen because they realize that they are just not straight players with us. So support for the resolution building. Uh, But Senator, let me ask, why were you not allowed in the classified briefing with CIA Director Gina Haspel? Uh, Great question, Uh, especially since uh, many of my Republican colleagues came out of that briefing and spilled the beans to reporters uh, within minutes uh, about what they were told inside that briefing. Um, uh, Listen, the administration, um, unfortunately, has really been in lockdown on sharing with uh, the Senate and the House what they know about the murder of Khashoggi. And and frankly, I don't think it's much of a secret that uh, Mohammed bin Salman was in charge of this hit squad that went to Turkey. Um, Open reporting has already disclosed he had multiple contacts during the day. uh, And we now have the first reports of the audio tape itself which is pretty gruesome. So um, I would have rather been inside that briefing, but we already know what happened. Uh, Jamal Khashoggi was murdered as part of a broader campaign to um, round up uh, and intimidate uh, opponents of the Saudi regime. This one went uh, horribly wrong, or this one uh, involved an order for a murder. We don't know the exact details. Whatever the details are, um, it's time for a reorientation of our relationship with this country. Okay, now, Senator, forgive my cynicism here, but should Americans care about a resolution that can't actually force the administration's hand, um, especially when the White House seems especially committed to backing Saudi Arabia, even now? Well, so they should. And listen, we don't not pass legislation just because we worry about a presidential veto. This resolution is not just about the words on the page. It actually requires the United States to pull out of our military campaign with the Saudis. That would mean that we uh, couldn't sell them munitions. We couldn't help them pick targets. We have temporarily suspended our midair refueling uh, operations, but it would prevent the administration from restarting that. So if this actually became law, it would be um, you know, incredibly impactful. But I would argue that the signal we're sending is important in and of itself. Right now, as we speak, um, the two sides are sitting down to negotiate uh, a ceasefire, some confidence-building measures to try to get a long-term peace agreement. And if the Saudi-backed side of that civil war knows that the United States is starting to rethink its participation, then they're going to be more eager to try to make the tough decisions to cut a deal. So this is the moment where we need to tell the Saudis that they need to um, invest in peace. And when the Trump administration was the only one talking on this, the Saudis had no reason to end this war because they knew that they had a blank check from the administration. Well, they don't have a blank check any longer. Uh, And whether or not this resolution right now becomes law, it's pretty clear that Republicans and Democrats um, are telling the Saudis that the time is come uh, for them to put an end to this war. Well, changing gears, tones, and subjects here, uh, Senator, we have to talk about 2020. Uh, So we even have a new graphic for this. We're very excited about it. Uh, It's time for a new series we're calling here at BuzzFeed News, So They're Running. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And here's how it's going to work, Senator Murphy. Uh, I'm going to ask you a very simple, low-stakes question. 
are you running in the 2020 presidential election? <laughs> uh, you get to give me a yes or no question, answer it directly, and then tell us why. And if you don't, we're gonna jump in. Isaac and I are gonna jump in. And if you don't answer directly, you have to answer our next question truthfully, which and, is... And Senator, that question will be, were you cool? You know, you, you know, you no, know, you no, know, Senator, I, you know, you, I Senator, trying, I, I have the floor. To set the terms of these were debates, you cool in high school? Were you cool in high school? Yes or no, or why? We're playing the game. That's going to be the question. Here we go. So, Senator, are you running in 2020? I, 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 I am not planning to run for president. I don't have any plans to go to Iowa or New Hampshire. I no, but is that a hard sure no? That is that a hard no? Is that a hard no? Is that a hard no? I, I listen. Okay, I, that's I'm a ham and a haw. No, that's a ham and a haw. Senator, that is a ham and a haw. So now you have to answer this question truthfully. Were you cool in high school? Yes or no? And why? Wait, but that's not like a hard question. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't cool in high school. Most of the people who are in the United States Senate and the United States Congress are, are here because they weren't cool in high school. Not so them, sir. Yourself. Yourself. There's a next. And why, sir? I'm pinning you on this one. And why? Why weren't you cool in high school? Yeah, no, I wasn't cool in high school. I wasn't cool in high school. Why not? No, I was No, I, I, I wasn't. I was like, you know, I was like vice president of the debate club. I was president of my class. I was, you know, on the quiz bowl team. I don't think that was the definition of cool. Yeah, you should have led with quiz bowl. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's, that's the one. That's the one. All right, well, Senator Murphy, <laughs> thank you so much for answering that question clearly and for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thank you for playing along. Yeah, really, I love it when he comes on the show. Thank you so much. Listen, up next, we talked to Lysandra Villa about the wild White House meeting that happened yesterday. You got your sunglasses? I was president of the debate team. Yeah, I was about, I wasn't gonna say it. I wasn't gonna say it. I wasn't gonna say it. Were you cool in high school? That's right. If you're just joining us, we just broke an exclusive on BuzzFeed News. Senator Chris Murphy was on the Quiz Bowl team in high school and was not cool. Again, that is an exclusive brought to you by Isaac William Fitzgerald. All right. We are going live from the district with BuzzFeed News politics reporter Lysandra Villa. Lisa, girl, I'm so sorry for the hijinks. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I don't know how I'm going to follow Chris Murphy. How could you? How could you? We, you'll do I your I also best. don't have plans to run in 2020, by the All way. Right. All right. Because <laughs> you don't want to have to answer that question. All right. Here's a tweet from Sam Stryker. Nancy Pelosi confidently leaving the White House is the type of energy I want to bring into 2019. Sam, you need to bring grammar. It should be take into 2019. But Lisa, for you, um, tell us about Nancy's look. Because listen, with the sunglasses, with the coat, she was looking pretty confident. Uh, was that confidence well-founded? So let's back up for a second and remember the reason that we had this meeting to begin with, right? We have a December 21st deadline um, where we could be seeing a partial government shutdown. And Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer went over to the White House and they were supposed to meet with Trump. But then all of a sudden, Trump invited the cameras in. And next thing you know, they're fighting about the border wall on, on television in front of reporters. And yeah, Democrats walked out from the meeting pretty confident about how they did. All right. Well, listen, let's get to this tweet from Julie Davis, who said, an aide in the room when Pelosi described the Oval meeting to colleagues said she crowed about Democrats having gotten him to fully own a shutdown. She also said the wall is like a manhood thing for him, as if manhood could ever be associated with him. 
She was really wearing those sunglasses yesterday. She was really <laughs> wearing those sunglasses yesterday. a lot of shade. So let me ask you this, Lisa. Democrats are obviously feeling a little confident like we are just talking about. Any sense of how the White House feels about yesterday's meeting? Mm. Yeah, so the White House also feels good about how that went. Um, they sent out a readout of the meeting saying that um, they they thought there was there was a good conversation that was happening there. They acknowledged that there were differences, but they also said they were grateful for an opportunity to invite the press in so that the public can see that the, that Trump is still pushing for this border wall. So while Democrats walked away and were able to show that they can go toe-to-toe with Trump, Trump, uh, on the flip side of that, was also able to show, hey, I'm still, I'm still pushing for this border wall. So they both walked away with things to, to feel good about. All right. That's so interesting. Well, can't wait to see what happens next. Lisa, <laughs> as always, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. All right. Up next, Isaac sits down with one of my Twitter crushes, dare I say, hey. Nico Tortorella. We love Younger. We love Younger. It's going to be a good conversation. <laughs> here with Nico Tortorella, actor, author, activist, star of Younger, everybody's favorite show, and co-host of How Far Is Tattoo Far? That's the one. It's always too far. <laughs> every, single, every single tattoo is too always far. Always too far. I mean, there were a couple that were reasonable. We're actually smack dab in the middle of filming season two right now. Really? My one day off, so I'm here. And then you had to sit down with somebody this covered is, in tattoos. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're my breather in I'm, between I'm all of this breather. mayhem. Uh, congratulations on getting married. You've oh, had thanks. a huge year. Yeah, 2018 has been a big one. It's been a really big one. Yeah. And you have spoken so eloquently and publicly oh. about your family and about relationships. Hmm. Why is that important to you? I mean, I think it's important to all of us, you know? Um, our families are our programming. That's where we come from. We all have stories in one way or another. And I think we're living in a time right now where truth is power, vulnerability is currency. And the more stories that we hear, the more we believe in, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that's how change uh, is driven forward. Uh, let's talk about vulnerability a little bit. You yeah. had that Thanksgiving photo from Instagram. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Your partner. Just getting naked on Thanksgiving. Just getting, wh wh why not? What were you sending with that? What, what was that? <laughs> so Bethany is in the kitchen cooking a turkey. I'm setting the table and they're like, hey, should we just take all our clothes off? I had this idea, let's just take a picture. And it was like a no brainer, like, yeah, okay. I went and grabbed the camera and we just did it. I don't know, I just, you know, we're just having fun. It was just the two of us in our house. We just bought a house this year uh -huh. and we just wanted to make it ours. I just like the idea that that becomes a Thanksgiving tradition. The, it, Every year, every year. <laughs> I don't know, I've been having a little bit of an issue with Instagram recently. What? They've been deleting, people have been deleting pictures from recently and from like five years ago. I'm majorly under attack right now. Wait, so people are flagging? Oh yeah. Your, can you, from can you, years ago, like going in and deleting. Why do you think that is and who do you think's doing this? I don't know. I mean, I you know, the way that I have this conversation and, and what I'm talking about, it, it just leads to people being, Intense about it. Do you think it's people that are intimidated by it, scared by it? Well, I Maybe think all of the above. Intrigued by it? I think that, you know, any any sort of hate comes from a place of fear, you know? If if you can't hate yourself, how the hell are you gonna hate somebody else? You know what I mean? Wow. And I think I think what, it, instead of if you can't love yourself, how are you gonna love yeah, somebody else? Yeah, and if so, you can't hate yourself, how are you gonna hate somebody else? Amen. No, no, no keep talking, keep talking. Yeah, but the, you know, I, there's just so much self-loathing and loneliness and sadness and as human beings, our instinct is to take it out on other people rather than dealing with it internally. 
And that's always the first place that I go to when I see any sort of like hateful rhetoric on my Instagram or, or comments from the Wendy Williams show or whatever it is that I'm doing, you know, I first and foremost feel bad. Mm -hmm. Like how can we actually properly heal as a society rather than keep pointing fingers? Mm -hmm. if, especially if people are driven by hatred. Yeah. Um, listen, I know how you at least somewhat deal with some emotions and that is through <laughs> poetry. It is. Uh, this is in addition to getting married, buying a house, everything you're working on. You released a book of poetry called mm -hmm. All of It Is You. And in the introduction of the book, you say you wrote it in 45 days. I did. How? It, it was and actually, was that just all you did for 45 days? Exactly or? a year ago. Yeah, it was pretty much everything that I was doing for 45 days. I also went to Peru. I was in the jungle for a couple weeks in those 45 days. I would just... For, for five, six hours every day, I was just pen to paper, just going. I mean, I was journaling for 45 days, mm -hmm. right? And what you see is what you get. Why, what, what drew you to poetry? Is it something you did as a child, or? Well, I think we are poetry, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Full stop. Yeah. Full stop. Put we it on all are. We're all poetry. And I don't think I'm more of a poet than anyone else just because I have a book of poetry. It just is, we all have it in us, and... I don't know. I like to think of, I'm more of a garbage poetry look, but Stop I'm going it. for it. Okay, going it, works. it works. All right, let's talk, <laughs> let's talk Younger. All okay. right. Younger season six will be back in 2019. Yes. Do you see a future for your character and Liza? For Josh and Liza. I mean, they're, the future is inevitable. Whether or not it's this romantic, you know, over the fence world series kind of love. Yes, I just quoted It Takes Two. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I don't know. But I think where they are right now and where they're going is like really important representation on television. This is a, a, a cis straight couple who broke up and now are trying to figure out how to navigate a friendship. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. You don't yeah, really and, see that on TV. And that's that's something that they're going to have to tackle. Uh, speaking of representation, yes. Asia Kate Dillon from Billions just got nominated for a Critics' Choice Award. So major. A fellow non-binary yes. actor. The first non-binary actor to be nominated for a Critics' Choice Award. Well, how do you think awards should be handling non-binary actors? Uh, hmm. You know, which category do we fall into? Uh, it's it's a good question. I think that we'll see a, a shift in the way that we're just talking about gender in the next generation. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that the way that we as human beings split the entire world into two categories thousands of years ago is the most ridiculous thing we've ever done. And it's like, it is the ultimate divide. It's the original binary, right? And we have to figure out another way because biologic fact is that there is a plethora of space between male and female. Mm -hmm. I, and I agree with that 100%. What would you, what would, if you, if somebody walked up to you and said, oh my gosh, how should we do the Oscars? Or what would you want it to look like moving forward? Just, instead of splitting it, best actor, best actress, just best actor. Got it. Let's just put us all in the same category. Let's just put it all in the same yeah. category. All right, absolutely. Now listen, we have a message for you. Uh -oh. From your How Far Is too, Tattoo Far co-host. Snooks? You know it. Come you on. It? You wanna see yes. some Snooks? see some Snooks. Stop it. Hey boo, look who it is. So you're gonna have so much fun here today. I really hope you're not wearing those ugly mustard socks, like cool bro, disgusting. Um, surprisingly, I'm sober. So I really want you to tell the story when um, I got wasted the many times on set. So in conclusion, bitch, I love you, I can't wait to see you, and all of it is you. Is that what you say? I don't know. 
love you so much. So what's that crazy story? What's the, what's a wild story? I from mean, set? there are, there are so many crazy stories. So Nicole's pregnant right now. Uh-huh. Fact. So we're shooting. So blacked out Nicole isn't showing up this season. It's like a totally different person. I have a brand new co-host. Uh-huh. But there was one night where where she stayed in the city instead of going home, and then came back to work the next morning, and it was just like vodka, wine, six, seven o'clock in the morning, just going. <laughs> and, you know, like, I grew up on Drunk Nicole in one way or another, you know? And there's actually so much about her that reminds me of my family and the women that I, like, <laughs> raised me, you know? Uh-huh, so uh-huh. I just feel like I'm home. I mean, it was like a dream. <laughs> it was like a dream come true to be able like, to hang out with this Nicole. is my safe space. Totally, I totally. Well, thank you so, oh, thanks, so much. I, I really it. appreciate you coming yeah. on the show. All of it is you is available now and mm. Younger Season 6 will return in 2019. We all can't wait to see how that shakes out. Up next, we're talking about Meghan Markle. All of it is you, all of it. Michael Story tweeted, what is up with the royal family at the moment? Drama central this week. Okay, I don't know about you guys, but I have been obsessed with this. Worried for Megan. I don't even know what's going on. So luckily, Lisa Ryan, senior writer for The Cut and co-host of the Royally Obsessed podcast, joins me now to spill all of the royal tea. <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much to talk to me about this. Thank you for having me. Okay, so The Cut has a series called Keeping Up with the Royals, and you publish a piece saying, why is there suddenly so much royal drama and that is the question of the day because it seems like all of a sudden there's just all of this stuff coming out and people are hating on Megan which I don't like so please explain to me what is happening okay so the guy tweeted this week it's not just this week it's been happening for over a month it's been like non-stop drama with the royal family so I personally am a disciple of Lainey Gossip she is like my sage goddess for everything (laughs) and so I from her have been very aware of the timing of all of these leaks that have been coming out. So first, it all kind of started around the time of Prince Charles's 70th birthday. Suddenly, all these stories came out about how William is grand and you know Harry had a temper tantrum over her tiara. And then from there, it kind of cascaded to like stories about Meghan and she worked too hard, which, okay, seriously, like, yeah. I wish I worked as hard as she did. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I don't really know how that's an insult. Like, oh, I, I'm too good at my job. Like, she's, oh. She's too passionate. She wakes up at 5 a.m. and sends emails and texts about what she wants to do that day. Like, okay. Yeah. Seriously. Okay, so my question is, there was the British Fashion Awards uh, mon- Monday night, correct? Yeah. And everyone started hating on Megan for being like too desperate, holding her bump. She was wearing dark nail polish, which apparently is a faux pas. Is this, are people just nitpicking her now? Like, what is the deal? I feel like with some people, she'll just never win. And that sucks. But like, look at what she's dealt with the past month. So in addition to the stories about her, there have been stories about her fighting with Kate Middleton. And in a lot of the stories, she's kind of painted as the villain. And so she shows up to the British Fashion Awards in an absolutely amazing dress. Givenchy, like stunning. I don't think I've ever seen her look like so ethereal. She's absolutely beautiful there. She shows up without like letting people know ahead of time. It was a surprise visit. And she's just kind of like, nope, here I am. So here is my main question, because I don't believe there is actually a feud between Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle. Do you think this is all made up or do you think that there is some sort of tension there? Well, first of all, I think it's important to note that there are always narratives where 
two powerful women are usually pitted against each other. That's so just, true. It's so annoying, but that's so annoying. just how it is. But so from my understanding and from recent reports from actual royal reporters who speak with the royal family and people around them rather than like frivolous tabloid reports, it sounds like the tension is actually between the brothers rather than the women. And then the stories have just kind of trickled down to affect them because like what else was going to happen? It's always going to hit the women. And it's really ridiculous because it seems like what's going on between the boys is just kind of like growing pains. You know, they're brothers. They've been attached at the hip for years, but now they both have their own families. And on top of that, they also have completely different roles. William will be king. Harry can do more of what he wants. So it makes sense that they would have like some tensions and some, you know, issues here and there and also like do you get along with your family all the time not to put you on the spot like i don't <laughs> yeah no so, like, one that's of course normal. no one does it's totally normal and you know that is total trash that mm -hmm. uh, issue between men is affecting the public persona of two women well lisa i could talk to you about this all day but unfortunately we gotta end <laughs> it here hopefully you'll come back and talk more royals with me i would you. love it thank you so much for joining me thank you don't go away up next isaac and saeed are responding to your tweets Welcome back. Wanted to start with this tweet from Go Sandy. New segment, Isaac Fitzgerald yelling at Congress people and senators. <laughs> yeah, sure, I'd do that. Am I, was I not supposed to? It said in the script, stick them to the question. And, and how do you stuck them? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Also, you know, the thing is when we do those interviews, um, the Senate, Congress people, they can't, they, they, they can't see us. Uh. So if you can imagine what it's looked like and like Isaac's just yelling at you. Uh, Senator Chris I Murphy, I hope your ears are okay. I loved it. Should have answered the question. That's Should have answered. Could have been avoided. And the lesson is learned. All right, well, listen, we asked you all for a bio pick you'd love to see mm. and one you hope never gets made mm. princess leia says i would love to see a biopic on anna may wong please god don't let them ever make a beyonce beyonce biopic oh yeah absolutely let's just no thank you mm. no thank you yeah. whatsoever yeah i'm gonna take this one melissa yep. kimball says i would love to see a queen latifah biopic and i pray to god they leave prince alone Ooh. I agree. First, well no here's the thing you're gonna have to see it. it's gonna happen the thing with Queen Latifah is I'm like, what parts of the story is she gonna allow people to tell? Is what I got to say. But Prince also, there's nothing we can do to, that's, that's gonna happen. That's right. That, I'm sorry, I was like, ooh, there's a lot going on in my brain right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I but get Prince, exactly I, what you're saying. Yeah, it's, I think part of the thing with biopics is often someone, I mean, God, the, Ray was wonderful. The Ray Charles biopic was wonderful and that was a very much a contemporary figure. But generally speaking, I'm like, I don't know, I don't, People who are of our time, mm, mm. it's a little weird. Like, it, there's a there's a biopic coming out about like the the George W. Bush's administration. Mm. I'm like, what? Nice. It's, it's People like, really I'm like, like is right there. <laughs> He's right fucking there. I'm gonna do just a last second conversation. Maybe you guys can just take this conversation in the afternoon when the Prince biopic does happen. Who's playing Prince? I'm trying to start a war. All right, well, thank you to our guests, Errol Lewis, Tanya Chen, Lysandra Villa, Senator Chris Murphy, Nico Tortella, and Lisa Ryan for joining us today. And I'm reading from the prompter, and I'm fucking pissed because I just found out about this. <laughs> Isaac's not going to be here tomorrow. Just tomorrow. Where I'll the be fuck back are you Friday. Going? I'll be back Friday. And guess what? Amber Jamison, come I on. I love Amber. She's the best. See you tomorrow, Amber Jamison. Trash. Who the fuck are you? I'll be back Friday.